0: Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, January 5th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis and high quality content that is very excited the Flyers will be coming back to the Eastern time zone.
0: Some of the Flyers.
1: Well, that is true. Oh, Lord, I hadn't even thought about that. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes, all that good stuff. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we're going to talk about last night's game versus the Anaheim Ducks, and then get into our mailbag. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. All right, Russ, so that was a bit of a bizarre game, I think, overall, just because both teams were pretty affected by COVID with uh, some AHL-heavier rosters than they would have liked. Yeah,
0: no doubt. I mean, there were two uh, COVID-ravaged teams. They were uh, each missing very key players, both having their starting goalies. So you really can't make any excuses that way. I mean, you know, the first thing, and again, this isn't a knock on Carter Hart, but, you know, he got outplayed by Gibson. He made some good saves, but there are some times when you you wish, and it's not just Carter Hart, some players would just step up and have a big game, and it can't always be Cam Atkinson that does it, and there was nobody that was going to do it for the Flyers, but Troy Terry did it for them, and that, that really is the difference maker on a road trip, and now you know the little bit of magic that was there with Mike Yo is is starting to wear off i mean that that honestly the um the choice that he made to challenge that goal was ridiculously bad i mean i just i thought there was very little chance that was going to get overturned you're already down 3-1 you could have been down 4-1 after that
1: yeah let's back up a little bit to setting the stage for this game because I think it was pretty devastating to have Claude Giroux and Ivan Provorov added to the COVID list Mm -hmm. in the afternoon right before the game. Obviously, like we said, both teams were weakened by the guys that were not available. But it was just tough because the Flyers have been struggling up the middle. And to not have that option of Giroux, I think, was difficult for them to adjust too. Um and then of course, unfortunately, that ends Ivan Provorov's games played streak at four hundred three. Yeah, that's terrible. like so upsetting. For yeah, sure. and
0: that's a record, you know, for the start of a of a mm-hmm. guy's career in the NHL. I mean, yeah, that that's tough. I mean, I can't count or listen. To Anaheim, those are their top two centers too. So,
1: oh know. sure, yeah sure. I think that you know, Mike Yo made the best of what he could do with the lineup. I don't have any argument with how he set up the lines. No, no, the lines
0: and stuff, I I have no argument. The challenge was bad.
1: I think there were two decisions in the game that I questioned. One was the challenge, and you made a very good point about that. I think the second um, goes along the lines of, you know, the guy's not stepping up like you were talking about. So we had JVR, we had Konechny. But I thought the strategy at the end of the game when they pulled the goalie was not great and they had keith yandel at the point for two solid minutes and then he's tripping somebody right but i mean my point is that he kept taking point shots and trying to get redirects which is fine except keith yandel just doesn't have that shot cam york has the shot to make that work better. And so why did they not figure out a way to get the puck in, in deep for half a second to get York out there for the second minute or at least 45 seconds?
0: My guess is, is that the coach doesn't trust York with the puck maybe hopping over his stick just yet because he doesn't know him well enough that way, where Yandel allegedly as a you know, as a veteran isn't going to have it happen or happen as much. All that said, I can't argue with you.
1: Maybe there's a point to be made about having the veteran guy in there when you're only down one goal and you just need to tie it up, but when you're mm-hmm. down two, put Cam York out there. I just don't see what the point was in, in keeping Yandel out there when clearly he just didn't have enough juice on those shots yeah. to make the redirects work.
0: No, and that's fair. I mean he look, Yandel was playing a very robotic game. He was going through the motions on a lot of things. Clears around the the boards, things that you know. Again, we we used to see all the time, and, and it never work out. Uh, also, though, with you know, he did try and play physical at least Yandel, and that's something. But again, you know, I thought York played fine. Uh, he had a good game. He he was getting outmatched by Maxime Comtois though early on. Like that's still going to be he 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 did a great job against Terry, but he was outmatched by Comtois who so. You know, if you keep York up, you're going to get the good, whereas, you know, the puck movement, the shots on net, and some scoring chances, and then, you know, he's going to have to battle with a lot of stronger guys. And so, you know, I always say, and this is the the toughest decision you ever have to make with players, do you want a guy up there surviving, or do you want a guy up there thriving? And that's, you know, that's going to be the decision that has to get made at some point when everybody's healthy
1: with York. I think you're right to some degree about, you know, him struggling a little bit defensively, but I do think it's something he can improve on at the NHL level and I think that the other aspect of it is that is the pros you're going to get from him on the other side of the fence better than the cons? that you have with Yandel out there right now, right?
0: Oh, I mean, listen, if you're going to frame it with Yandel, I'm going to go against Yandel every time. It's almost unfair. I'm just, (laughs) I'm trying to look what's best for, like, York in the future. Anything for the Flyers is best without Keith Yandel in the present. Like, that's just the way it is.
1: I also want to talk a little bit more about a lot of those missed chances, because... I think part of it was John Gibson. I think he mm-hmm. he played a great game, but at the same time, at a certain point, with as many chances as the flyers had and and I think in this game, you know, you look at the numbers, a lot higher percentage of the chances or uh, or of the shots that the flyers took were actual scoring chances and high danger chances. yeah, and you know, than typical for them. So you have to think that you know, one of these is going to go, and it just didn't. Yeah,
0: you do have to finish around the net. Like, end of the day, you got to win the battle in the dirty areas, in the crease, and get some goals that way. you got to get some dirty goals. It has to happen. They probably weren't getting Gibson moving side to side enough. A lot of times when they were getting these high-danger shots, it was a one-on-one situation, and you were either trying to beat him with his glove hand or trying to beat him on the short side, and he had him covered. And so... That's where I think they maybe had it wrong. But again, better to shoot those things than nothing. But again, at some point in this game, you have to realize Gibson's locked in. We really need to get him moving or take his eyes away. And I don't really think there was enough to take his eyes away. There was a lot of guys in the crease there, but I didn't see a lot of coordination with shots mm-hmm. that were that were going through with guys trying to deflect. I don't know about you, but I didn't. You know, that's where I was lacking.
1: Yeah, I think they did that. You know, in the third period. I just think they didn't start doing that as much soon enough, considering yeah. that they were behind in the game. But I, I did think they they turned that aspect of the game around a little bit in the third. And like I said, they certainly had their chances. It just didn't go. Yeah. So the Flyers are 1-2-1 and one on that road trip, uh, losing their last three games. Granted, they did get points because of overtime, but uh, certainly not the result we would have hoped.
0: No, not the result you would have hoped. And you've got a team like the Bruins now that have games in hand that are that are winning. And it's gonna be hard. This is not in one of those things where the Flyers just string together five wins. Like, you know, in the past, you could string together five wins at a lot of times during an NHL season and be right back in the race. But the way this Metro is, the Flyers have really no shot at getting in the top three. So they've got to get one of the two wild cards and With Pittsburgh playing the way they are, you know, I still think it's the four teams for the one spot.
1: Yeah, well, we'll get our first opportunity in our next game against Pittsburgh. We'll be talking more about that in tomorrow's show.
0: Yeah, that'll be a good one. I think if if there's a moment where you're expecting some players to rise to the occasion, you would think it would be against the Penguins. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution cause it tastes so good you will want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it's just so boring. Bilt Bar, but built Bars are covered with 100% real chocolate. Throw out the sugary or calorie filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you could reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Your Bilt Bar has 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Bilt is coming out with new limited time flavors. Check out Bilt.com often to see what's new. And use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com.
1: Once again, thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. All right, Russ. So we got to dive into our mailbag. Some really intriguing questions uh, given, you know, where the flyers are right now, this Mm -hmm. season. So first one is a doozy. Uh, How would you grade Chuck Fletcher knowing what we know now? For this
0: year or for his entirety?
1: For his entire reign.
0: I'm going to give him a C and it could go down to a D. Uh, We'll see how that this season goes. I think, He did what his bosses wanted, so he made moves in the offseason. He was able to get some some assets that a lot of teams weren't able to get. Some bad luck ensued, some other things with the lineup. But he did that part of it. Was he active enough this year? No. Uh, Have they been active enough getting an assistant coach? Absolutely no. Uh, So right now I give him a C, and it's kind of like, I'm taking a wait-and-see, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I think at the beginning of the season, even with you know everything you've said about his off-season moves, I probably would have given him a B, B-minus right at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season because he did check off everything on his list that he said he wanted to accomplish, and if that was his strategy, then that's a choice, right? Yep. And he, he did everything he wanted to do according to his strategy with the parameters he was given. So I think I was willing to give him like more of a benefit of the doubt and be like, okay, let's see how this works out, right? But I think for me, I'm lowering it to that C that you said, but for different reasons. It's because I feel like he hasn't been really forthcoming or as honest about the current state of the team as it is right now and his role in part of that. I think he did that very well in this off season, but I don't think that's continued through this season. And that accountability I don't think is there. And I think that rolls over to the team itself.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good point.
1: I wish I could be grading him higher, but I just feel like there's something missing.
0: We're not grading on the curve here. So
1: no, this is just, you know, his entire term for what we know now. All right. Next question. This is an interesting one. Do you think the Oilers situation is comparable in any way to what the Flyers are going through right now? Is there any lessons either team could learn from the other?
0: Well, the Oilers need a goalie and the Flyers don't need a goalie. So there's not that. But I think the other lesson is don't think you could do a full rebuild in every market, because if you do, then it's going to take longer than you think. And certainly the Oilers is taking a lot longer than you think. So then if there are Flyers fans that say, let's say the Flyers don't make the playoffs. We want a full rebuild. Well, then no, then no, it could take up to five years. And are you willing to wait five years, especially if you're a season ticket holder? So the, that's the yin and the yang of it, I think.
1: Yeah, I think there are like some direct opposites here, like you're saying. I, I think for me, it's looking at the Oilers and saying, okay, they have not one but two superstars and have not been able to figure out how to build a team around them, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the Flyers have had probably three or four good hockey players, good or better than good, but like no elite superstars. And so it's more of more players at the same kind of level. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that the rosters are really comparable in that way i think there's a greater breadth of skill level on the oilers than there is Mm -hmm. on the flyers right now you know from top to bottom so and and of course like the oilers just have not been able to sort out goaltending and the flyers have i think that in terms of you know what maybe the flyers could learn from the oilers is that you know having those superstars isn't everything, and it is possible to build cup-winning teams without them. You just have to do it right, and the Flyers have not been able to do that, and a and a combination of some bad luck too. Yep,
0: yeah, I think all of those things are true. The other thing that I left out that has really killed the Oilers is had Ryan Nugent-Hopkins been a star of the same caliber as McDavid you know, and Drysaitel. Yeah, that would have helped.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's very good. Like, I think he's he would be one of the top players on the Flyers if he came over.
0: But he's not great.
1: No. So which, which is kind of a shame. I think he kind of got a raw deal in, yes. in the construction of the Oilers over the years since he's been drafted. All right. Next question In this year's upcoming draft, does a mid-round first pick do the Flyers any good in a retool, or would they need something higher than that to have an impact sooner rather than later?
0: No, I think a mid-round first in this draft is good. I think you can get—it's a center-deep draft, so there's centers all over the place, and I think that's something they could use. There certainly will be good defensemen there, too, and please don't tell me or email me that they have enough defensemen you never could have enough defensemen, as we've learned. So either way, I think, yeah, midway, mid rounds fine.
1: I keep thinking about people looking at the Flyers drafting over the past several years and just not having a ton of striking gold. I think Joel Farabee is probably the best draft pick they've had uh, with maybe Travis Konechny in second. Uh, so well but far. where would they
0: be where would they be without these Chris pryor drafts though i mean there may mm-hmm. you may not be talking about superstars but they filled in a lot of gaps and still can oh, fill sure. in more gaps
1: sure and well and that's what i'm saying is that they've gotten like a, a bunch of quality players but not those superstars and of course we had the bad luck of the one year we did win the lottery you know the picks were what they were gonna be but... not
0: everybody gets superstars in the draft though yeah. you know what i mean i know they, like, not all teams do. I mean, i always use the Rangers as an example. We don't know what Lafreniere is yet. He's starting to get better. But Adam Fox wanted to be in New York, so he's in New York. Panarin wanted to be in New York, so he's in New York. They didn't draft him.
1: Yeah, I think I'm just thinking about it in terms of, is this a team that you want to tank or needs to tank? No, to I think that's a bad idea. Improvement? Yeah, I think so too. And that's really where I'm getting okay. at with this, is that... I just don't think that it would make much difference and I would rather have them win games and be slightly lower in the draft just because of the depth of this draft that that you indicated.
0: Yeah. And winning games is still important for the young players they have like Morgan Frost. I mean, it is still important.
1: All right. Next question. Who is your most improved Flyers player from last season to this season?
0: I'm going to go Travis Sanheim. Travis Sanheim, I think and again, this became a really debatable point on Twitter last night where I was, there was like a mob mentality against me because people in Buffalo had this like three-year-old take on Rasmus Ristolainen, and I had to point out he's doing very well in Philly. I'm not saying he's doing great, but he's definitely better than what he was his last couple of years in Buffalo. He's playing a different role. He's not having the same kind of errors. I even mentioned like he's had a couple of those bad turns where he's given up some goals, but that hasn't even been prevalent. That has all made a big difference to Travis Sanheim and has given him the confidence that when he sort of leaves his post, that he doesn't have to worry about things defensively. And I think Ristolainen has done a good enough job with that and the physical play and blocking shots that Sanheim now has a lot more confidence going in the offensive zone. We're starting to see more of his like slickery moves. He's he's shooting more. I just think he's more engaged.
1: That's so funny you picked that because I was going to make it a tie between those two. because <laughs> I think you're right, but they have fed off each other. And especially to your point on Travis Sandheim, I mean, you're seeing him step up offensively. Like he just, did not do last season he was lacking in the confidence area where now you'll see him take shots and go behind the net and the team does a real good job of covering on defense because they know that it's to their benefit to have Travis Sandheim you know skate forward for periods of time and he can do that because Ristolainen is there and for the most part has been able to hold down the fort but also you know provide some jump when they mm-hmm. actually get rushes going. I think Ristolainen has been a good part of that as well. All right, so this one, I don't know who thought of this question because I think it's kind of cruel, but would the Flyers trade back for Robert Haig?
0: I think they would, and I'll tell you why. So let's say they get to a point in the season where they're three to five points out of the playoffs. Well, Justin Braun, teams are calling about Justin Braun. You know what? If I think I can keep Ristolainen, and I think there's a chance of that, and I could get something good for Braun, even if it's futures, if I can make a trade for Robert Hag and not get killed on it, which I don't think he would because he's a he's a UFA, that fills the slot. Like I basically I could have Robert Hag on my third pair and, and not really miss that much. Braun's better, don't get me wrong, folks, but I think for a short term I could have him fill in. So I would do it.
1: Wow. If
0: that were the case.
1: I am shocked, honestly. I just uh I just think he has such a like old Flyers mentality. Not that this team this year doesn't have some of that identity to it. I just think he's emblematic of what the Flyers were last year and it's just bad energy we'll have more questions coming up but first we're going to talk about our good friends at bet online. Bet online has you covered with more props, odds and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball to football to the NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing new offers bet online where the game starts. All right, so we've got some more questions coming up, and this is another tough one. Keith Yandel has 11 games to go to break that Ironman streak, which if no games get postponed uh, between now and then, is I think Monday the 24th against Dallas. Does he play Tuesday the 25th versus the Islanders? It's
0: a really good question. I'm going to say yes. It's not what I would do, but I'm going to say Yes. Because this is the definition of insanity anyhow. So why not keep it going?
1: Yeah, I think the cracks are starting to show in terms of how like, Mike Yo is talking about Yandel. Mm-hmm. But I still don't think they're going to take him out. And they're going to let him play as long as he wants to.
0: Yeah, it seems that way.
1: All right, here's another tough one. Is Ryan Ellis out for the season without saying it?
0: Well, my gut, which definitely has grown during COVID, feels that way. Especially when the most recent comments, and I think it was from Mike Yo, said, hey, he's out of COVID protocol, but no real progress. I mean, at this point, I think it is some sort of sprain or something that hasn't rehabbed well and hasn't gotten him back on the ice. And so I just feel like after the All-Star break, something, we're going to you know, get the word one day that he's getting some sort of surgery to either fix a knee or something else lower body that just didn't clear up. And I think he might be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so too. I, I hate to say it, but you know, with everybody else that's been injured this season and there have been quite a number of them, you always see them, you know, they're back out on the ice, they're practicing, even if it's on the side rank. And we just haven't really seen that Yeah, from Ryan Ellis. And that I think is a telltale sign. All right, here is a big question. Are the Flyers going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline?
0: I really think they're going to be both because I feel like Dave Scott is going to push them to be buyers in some fashion. So in other words, there's going to have to be some change. So like if they did the Justin Braun thing, that would be a part of it. But then there would still be something else. Are they going to spend significant assets? No. No. Are they going to gain significant assets? Maybe if they trade versus the um, But at that point, then you really are just a seller. So, but I still think they'll end up being both because this season's been weird enough that even though they're playing better, they're sort of treading water. And I could see in, in, in another few weeks, they're still treading water.
1: It's going to be tough. I think you're you're kind of onto something there with it, with the both idea that they're going to make a move just to prove to you know, ownership, that they've done something. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that the net result of that will be as if they've added skill as opposed to have lost some in order to gain some assets moving forward, if that makes sense. It does. Talking about some lighter topics, uh, the next question, will we see a Flyers' Wives carnival this year?
0: Boy, that's a tough one because I think they're legitimately trying to wait because I don't believe they had one last year. And it's a fun event, and the Flyers do a great job. The Wives do a great job. I like the promos. I, I like writing about it ahead of time. Fans love it. Kids love it. I think that's it. it's going to be like a last-minute call, but if I have to give the answer now, I'm going to probably say no.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen anything about no. it anywhere. so. I do wonder if they were holding off, you know, making a decision about it and then they would have something, but kind of the only big event that they've had was like the gritty 5k. Right. All right. And completely off topic, but also fun. uh, What was your favorite TV or movie viewing that you had over the holidays?
0: I mean, it's still a Christmas story. Uh, I just love it. I have a picture of Zach Ward, pretending to punch me in the face he's been on shows that uh, that i've done in the past he's he's a he's a really good guest and so and i know scotty schwartz i run into him every few years so there's something in me that still loves that movie now as far as for television uh the witcher i'm a big the witcher guy Mm. i think that cavill's better in that than superman i i just feel like that's his part so so that's really good uh the new season of Dexter has been really good. It's hard to keep a season series like that going. There's, you know, how do you make so much killing still interesting? And and they're managing to do it with some good story. And then there's one that's post-holiday, but I've been waiting for for a year. And that is called The Cleaner. Have you heard of it?
1: I think so. Is that a Netflix thing?
0: Nope. It's a BritBox thing. So it's a BBC show, yeah. I think. And, and I knew of it a year ago, and I was trying to watch it a year ago. And that's with Greg Davies. And the best way to describe... Do you know who Greg Davies is from, like, Man Down and um, yes. Cuckoo? Okay. To me, he might be the, the funniest comedic actor out there. Like, he's like Kevin James, but way funnier. But he sets, him up, sets himself up in similar situations. I am such a big fan. This is a really good series, too, because it's about being a cleaner of... N- You know, crimes like we saw the movie The Cleaner years ago, but it's a comedy and they pull it off. I've watched two episodes and they really have pulled it off. It's tremendous.
1: Nice. I will have to check that one out. Yeah, I used to watch Dexter when in the original run of the series and I just Mm -hmm. don't have showtime. So I Ah. haven't uh, watched the the new series. But if it uh, rolls around anywhere else, I'll, I'll have to check it out i think for me um spider-man no way home was like the event the movie event. i, I did see it i loved
0: it i loved it i yeah agree. N-
1: not gonna spoil it but uh I, I rather enjoyed it and then the tv show that has been making me happy over the past couple of weeks is ghosts and there's two different versions there's the british version which you can watch on hbo max and then they kind of Americanized it on CBS, and you can get it on Paramount Plus too. Both versions are very good, and they did a really good job of adapting it. And it's funny, and it's heartwarming, and it's just wholesome TV. They did a Christmas special um, for the BBC version that was delightful. And how could so, how could
0: dead people be wholesome TV?
1: It is super funny. Like, do you know even know the premise?
0: I know the premise. I've seen clips and I haven't wanted to see it, but that's, I think that's because it's on CBS. I'm going to try the HBO max. Like you said, because again, CBS can ruin a lot of series. I am telling you,
1: I had my doubts and they did a tremendous job adapting the show. I, I will absolutely vouch for it. I'll try it. All right. Wrapping up with our flyers. Fun thing. This is a little bit, um, older, but on the Flyers TikTok account, um, they did a little video for Max Wilman's goal uh, when he got his first NHL goal, and it's for the the meme, the Go Little Rockstar meme, which I I just love it. I I think it's fun, and that is our Flyers fun thing for today. Well, we will be back again tomorrow. Uh, We're going to obviously check in with the latest going on with the Flyers, including looking ahead to the game versus Pittsburgh. And we'll have our prospect profile on Bryce Brzezinski. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at R-Miriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M.
0: I'm Russ. I'm on Twitter at Sportsology. S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y.
1: You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.